and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So 6-8, you're released. Go ahead. Uh, you got class. Hey, for those who don't know, we are uh, Destiny Church. We're one church. We're two locations. My name is Mark. I'm the campus pastor here. Um, pastor Chad, he's our lead pastor. He oversees our Republic campus. And on behalf of all of us, uh, first time guests, we want to say welcome to Destiny Church. How do we feel about our first time guests? Come on, we love y'all. <clears throat> If you are a first-time guest, I'm going to put you to work for just a second here. Uh, If you look at the seats in front of you, there's a card that'll say welcome on it. And you can take that welcome card, fill out that welcome card, drop it in our offering bucket, or you can even bring it to our welcome table if you do. Um, They have free goodies for you. Praise God, we all love free goodies, right? But this gives us the unique opportunity to touch base with everybody God's bringing through our doors. You know, his word says in Ephesians that, Uh, where God's handiwork, where his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good things that he planned for us long in advance. If you're in the room, I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I want you to know this, to have confidence in this. God created you on purpose and for purpose. He has good things planned for you. And it's my heart that we help connect you to those good things God has planned. Amen. All right. So last announcement I have here, and then I'll jump into the word. Uh, Do I have any young adults in the room? You're like, yeah, I'm young. Anyone feel like a young adult? Come on. So, you know, when when I first stepped into this uh, role as Marshfield campus pastor, I had a couple things in my heart specifically that I wanted us to do as a campus, more specifically three demographics that I wanted to reach. I wanted to reach the hungry. I wanted to reach the addict and I wanted to reach the young adult because the church does a really good job pouring into kids. Church does a really good job pouring into youth. And then we send them off to college and say, good luck. Right. So uh, we want to do something. So I'm excited, you know, over the fast in January, God did some divine things. We put together this team and on May 20th, we are launching on Thursday night at 630, a young adult ministry that here it's going to happen every week. Yes, it's going to be great. So listen, you don't have to come to the church to come to this service. We want to reach the young adults because they get launched into the season of life where they're liberated like they've never been before. And we need, so, we, we need the church to help them steward this new freedom that they're experiencing. Amen. So that's what we want to do because um, you can be 21 and still love Jesus. Praise God. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 6. We've been in a series we've called The Life of Christ. And I really think a more appropriate name for this series would be The Teachings of Jesus, as every week we dissect, we ponder, we talk about, we reflect on that which Jesus spoke uh, while he was on earth. So in Matthew 6 here, we see Jesus having a conversation with his disciples. So I want to read this, then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to preach. Does that sound okay? Matthew 6, it says this, verse 24. Or verse 25, sorry. This is Jesus talking. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you more valuable than the birds? God takes care of them. Verse 27, it's almost like Jesus is uh, condescending here. <laughs> Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, Jesus. <laughs> Verse 28, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. 
They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, who was a king, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Come on, and if God cares, someone say God cares. We need to know that this morning. Our confidence needs to be in the, found in the fact that God cares. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here, that they're, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? He goes on to say in verse 31, so don't worry. Say, don't worry. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father, he already knows your needs. So do this. Seek Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek him in his righteousness. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And we all said, amen. I, uh, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, how sometimes when, when I'm preparing the message, there's times where it just almost comes like water. And, it's, and then there's other times where it's like you got a pickaxe and you're trying to dig it up out of the ground. And uh, man, this week I just sensed the Holy Spirit at work uh, with, with, within this. And I really believe this message is going to help us this morning. I believe it's going to edify our spirits and we're going to walk out of here a little bit more like Jesus. We're going to walk out of here uh, living life in the truth that, that he set out for us. Okay, let's pray and then, and then I'll preach. Jesus, we love you. I pray in this moment, in this atmosphere, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would till the soil of our heart. God, I pray as the seed of your word goes forth to take root in our hearts, it grow to produce fruit in our lives. God, we, we, we wanna be more like Jesus. Your word says that if we just hear your word, but we don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. Help us not just to hear your truth, but to live it out. In Jesus' holy and mighty name, we all said, amen. amen. So um, anyone who has spent any time around me you, you maybe realize that I not only lead a holy life, but I'm also about 13% hood, okay? <laughs> and I would like to attribute that 13% to the one year that I spent in Cumberland, Rhode Island, which is almost like an inner city, okay? Really, Cumberland, Rhode Island is, is right outside of Central Falls. Now, if you're from Central Falls, you're the real deal. You've probably seen some things. You really bought that action. Youth, you know what I'm talking about. Let your parents know what, what we're talking about here. So we kind of we caught some of the drip, you know, from, from that. So I, I'm going, I, I lived in Ohio, moved back to Rhode Island. We live in Cumberland, Rhode Island for one year. And while we lived in Cumberland, Rhode Island, I lived close enough to the school where I could walk to school every day. Ended up getting a bike and w- would sometimes ride my bike to school too. And I remember this specific day. I can't remember exactly what was said, but there was this kid who he was acting what I would say ghetto. I don't know if that's an offensive term. I don't know what's offensive anymore. So have grace for me. But he was basically, he's acting tough, acting hard. I'm calling him out on his bluff. I don't think he's as tough as he lays, you know, is trying to make it think. So whatever, I make fun of him in the, fun of him in the bathroom. Just a note, I've been sanctified since then. Holy Spirit's done some work. I mean, never make fun of anybody. It's not okay, but I did. I did in the moment. 
So I never really think about it at all. And after school, I, I come out from uh, after school, I go to get my bike and one of my tires is flat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I got to push this bike all the way home, right? I got to walk all the way home. And so I'm, I'm taking my bike through the parking lot and I can still see it taking place in, in my mind. It's kind of like in the movies where this mob of angry middle schoolers comes out from behind the, I am in sixth grade at the time. So if you know anything about middle school, it's sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. So I'm young. This angry mob of middle schoolers comes out from behind the cars. And, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by angry middle schoolers. And, and there's And now the thing is, I recognize some of these kids and I've watched some of these dudes beat up other kids. So I know they're about that action. Okay. (laughs) Even more scary. There's one girl in the circle and I've seen that girl beat up other girls. And I don't know if I had a great shot. Okay. (laughs) So here I am like, I'm going to get beat up by a girl and guys. So I'm looking and there's this, there's this little leader and some of them were sixth graders, some were seventh graders, some were eighth graders, recognize the kids. And, I'm, and, and, and the leader takes off his shirt and wraps it around his fist. Now I know in theory, that's gonna make the punch hurt less, but it scared me more, okay? I'm like, that was an absolute power move. Next time I get in a fight, that is what I'm doing. <laughs> And he goes, yo, I heard you were talking to my boy. I heard you were making fun of my boy. I'm just sitting there like, I didn't pee, but I thought about it. (laughs) Come on, talk about being worried. Has anybody been worried? If you've been alive for longer than a day, you've been confronted with the opportunity to experience worry. Come on. We, 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 we talked about this in life group Wednesday night and we, we sat in a circle and one of the discussion questions on Wednesday night is what's something that you worry about in life? What's something that produces worry in you? And I listen to parents talk about, man, I worry about my kids that I'm doing enough for my kids that they'll grow up to love Jesus and serve Jesus that they won't go wayward. I heard people share about, I'm worried to be alone. Like I don't, I don't, I, I just, I'm missing community. I don't have community. I had a conversation with a woman this week and she was like, I, I constantly live in guilt and remorse and I'm worried that it's not going to go away and it's going to stay with me forever. No people who are worried about their family members who don't know Jesus, they're worried about their salvation. Some of y'all are worried about losing loved ones. When we start pondering the things that make us anxious, make us fearful or make us worried, I think all of us can think of something, Right? But let's not forget what Paul wrote in Philippians in his letter. When we look at Philippians, Paul wrote, Philippians 4, Paul wrote, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And what happens when you do that? Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. What does his peace do? It guards my heart. It guards my mind. Paul's telling you, don't be worried. Take your worries, turn them to prayers. Then something happens where God shields your heart and your mind with his peace. This is good news. Wow. Don't worry about anything. Pray. God will give you his peace. Goes on verse eight. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Everyone say, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent 
and worthy of praise. And then in verse nine, he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. I love how sometimes Paul's like, follow me as I follow Jesus. Do what I do. Can you imagine the confidence, the holy confidence you have to tell people, do what I do? Just a thought. (laughs) Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. Come on, what a promise. This is in his word. Paul gives us an incredibly practical, biblical way to deal with our depression, our anxiety, our worry, and our fear. He says, go to God in prayer, give God control, fix your thoughts, put it into practice, right? Paul says, take those anxious thoughts, take your worries, turn them to prayers. God will provide, trust God to provide, fix your thoughts, continue to do it. Now, how many of y'all have heard Philippians 4 before? Heard this voice, don't be anxious about anything. By everything, bring, bring your need before him. You know, what, what I've found is, you know, a lot of us coming from this Bible Belt culture, a lot of us have spent some time in church. We've spent some time, we've, we've heard the verses. I think we know that the Bible says, don't be anxious, don't be worried. We've heard it, right? But in, but in 2011, studies showed that America was the most anxious nation there is. Studies show citizens in other countries experience one-fifth of the anxiety levels of Americans despite having far less resource than we do. Statistics also tell us the story that America, year after year, is actually only growing in its anxiousness and worry, year after year. And y'all, I, I think we recognize that our world has become far more complex with the development of new technology and faster transportation. And, you know, no change causes anxiousness and a faster pace of life causes anxiousness and, and a flood of information can cause anxiousness and life's challenges, which has always existed, are, can cause anxiousness. I think statistics will show we're an anxious nation which means we're in anxious communities. And sometimes I think this anxiousness can drip into us as individuals, which then produces an anxious church. The problem with worry, now, you guys know, I'm all about a punch and a hug, right? So we we gotta hug each other, we gotta love each other, this idea of truth and grace. I'm all about empathizing and sympathizing with those that struggle with worry and anxiety. And I know there's probably people in the room and I hate that. And I hate that you're walking through it. But in that same vein, I've been heartbroken over Christians, uh, Christians contentment to label themselves anxious and worried and chalk it up as this is the way I am. I can't help it. I I can't help it. This is who I am. God, and I literally prayed, God, give me mercy and grace as as I'm, that I'm not being, if I'm being overly opinionated here, but I read his word. And as I become more familiar, familiarized with the schemes of the enemy, I think it's about time we as believers stop accepting our friends and accepting for ourselves that we're just going to live with anxiety. I'm just going to, I'm just going to live in, I'm just going to live in worry. I'm going to live in this constant state of worry. If we don't challenge those around us uh, uh, in their anxiousness, we're not loving them well. We got to challenge each other, throw it off. 
Don't, don't allow it to exist there. No, I won't just accept that you're an anxious person. No, that's not just the way you are. Don't just tell me that this is the way I am and insult the same power that raised Christ from the grave. He is at work within you. The spirit of God is at work within me and God tells me that spirit produces joy in me. God tells me that spirit produces peace. That spirit produces self-control. I can throw off my worry. I can throw off my fear through Christ at work within me. Y'all got access to the Holy Spirit. And with it comes joy and peace. Come on, we need to tell each other, lean in, lean in. Come on, you don't, have to, you don't have to live worried. You don't have to live anxious. God's spirit is at work. Peace is available to you. Talk about a punch and a hug. I'm sorry, but on this topic, I think we've been hugging each other too much. Oh, you're anxious? That's okay. Oh, that's okay. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be insulting, uh, but, but, I, but I, I think we've been hugging each other too much, and we're allowing each other to stay anxious, and we need to stop. Jesus is saying through his word, I told you not to worry. Don't tell him it's okay. It's not a, don't tell her it's okay. It's not. I said, don't worry. And here's what I'm afraid of. We don't recognize that our anxiousness and our worrying oftentimes, here's the punch, y'all. Here's the punch. I'm saying this because I love y'all and I want to see y'all free. If we just talk about the grace, but, but we don't ever talk about the truth. We don't ever get free because the truth sets you free. Holy Spirit, do right now. I'm afraid we don't recognize our worry and anxiousness is actually a manifestation of our unbelief. Our worry and our anxiousness. It's not just the way you are. It's unbelief manifested. And if you're taking notes, here's why unbelief is so dangerous. Because unbelief will take you places God never, God unintended you to go. Unbelief will take you places God unintended you to go. Right? And we'll find that to be true time and time again as we go through scriptures. I don't, I don't want to be that crazy, like fire and brimstone preacher who, who's insensitive and never acknowledges grace. But I also know it's my duty to build up my church. I also know it's my duty to get my sheep free, to protect my sheep. So if y'all have been buried and gripped by fear, today we find freedom. Today we're throwing it off. Today fear goes. Today anxiety goes. What I know to be true in the life of a believer is unbelief is dangerous. So today we're stepping into faith. Amen. Life happens, I get it. Anxiety hits, worry hits, and it's like, what am I, what am I gonna do? What am I, what am I gonna do? If my, if my wife finds out she's gonna kill me, when, when my kids grow up, are, are they gonna leave the faith? Uh, my job's gone, Where, where's the money for the bills gonna come from? Uh, this big presentation's due, am, am I gonna do a good enough job? Uh, I'm addicted to these pills, am I gonna be addicted forever? And I want to share what the Spirit of God revealed to me, gave me clarity on as I went through and read through and reflected on and wrote down the words of Jesus out of Matthew 6. Jesus asked, does all that worry add anything to your life? So many of us are looking at tomorrow. We're worried about tomorrow. Jesus asked, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Has your worry ever been productive? Has your worry today ever fixed your giving you the solution for tomorrow? Like, I think sometimes we're convinced that our worry is productive. We're convinced that our worry actually fixes something. And I think the reason we 
are content to feel worried because it feels irresponsible to not be worried. But Jesus told me, throw it off. But, 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 what will happen if I don't, if I don't? Don't be worried. Trust me. Why? Because I care for you. All you got to do is seek me. I'll provide everything else. Oh God, what are, what are we going to, God, what are we going to do? Seek me. Seek me. Let's keep looking at it. Verse 29. This is Jesus talking. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And this is where, this is where I discovered that our unbelief or, or that our worry is paralleled with our unbelief. Because Jesus is condemning the worry, right? By saying, why do you have so little faith? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust my provision? Why don't you trust that I care? Why don't you trust that what I said in Romans, I'll work all things together for your good, right? God told us in Romans, I'm working all things together for the good of those who love me, those who seek me. You don't have to worry, believer. Remember the verse that that's what unbelievers do because they don't have a hope to cling to. I just wonder, do we, do we live like we believe it? So verse 31 says, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And here's some of the revelation I received as I went through it. Worry forms. I want you to notice the tense of these phrases. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Right? What worry forms when we focus on the future instead of the present. Worry forms when I'm eating today's manna, worried about tomorrow's. Just eat, just, just eat the manna God provided today. Don't take more for tomorrow. It'll go bad anyways, right? Just eat it. Focus on today. How come? Well, tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Can you trust that I'll provide for you today? I'll give you what you need today, right? We don't have to worry because God cares. Our confidence needs to be found in the fact that God cares and he expressed his care for us through Jesus. And now Jesus is the source of my hope. Jesus is the source of my joy. Jesus is the source of my significance. And that's why Jesus, he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. So all you got to do is seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously and all give you everything you need. God says, don't worry, seek Jesus, you'll be fine. Don't worry, seek me, you'll be fine. Like, it's not complex. Yet, yet as a nation, we're drowning in worry and anxiety. And you know what the antidote is? Yeah, yeah, don't worry, seek me. I'll provide. I'll give you what you need. Everyone take a deep breath together. Here we go. I'm gonna seek Jesus. I'm gonna be fine. You're gonna seek Jesus and you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. I'm convinced the antidote to our worry is an unshakable belief in the fact that God cares. God cares. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue him. Do you trust that God cares enough about you to sustain you and keep his promises he's made towards you, that he's working all things together for your good?
Listen, I, I understand we all feel the emotion of worry and anxiousness. I see Jesus wrestle with that emotion in the garden. Like I, I understand it's there and it's prevalent. And I think our anxiousness and our worry, it's a helpful survival instinct for like, there's a bear. Ah, I got to get out of here. You know, like, come on. This is, I mean, I'm not saying like, there's a bear. I am not worried. You know, like, no, get out of there. All right, get out of there. <laughs> the problem arises when our unbelief and God's good character and God's good provision settles. And now we're led by our worry instead of being led by our faith. When, when our worry allows, when our worry starts to lead us, when we don't trust God's plan and we think, oh, I got to take this, right? And, and we go, oh, I'm worried. I got I to gotta go over here. Unbelief will take you places God unintended you to go, right? It might be uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, I don't feel like I should be going this way, God. But if you're leading me here, I'm going to trust you. God, I should be, I should be, I, I, I should be. Worry, so simple, but worry can't lead you into the promises of God. If I follow my worry, can't lead me into the promises of God. Only faith can do that. If what Jesus communicates is true, worry parallels unbelief. And remember, unbelief leads us to places God unintended us to go. I think this is illustrated when, when we look back in the Old Testament and we have this leader, Moses, who has an, an exchange with the burning bush. And God tells Moses, I'm going to free your people. I'm going to free the Israelites from the oppression of the Egyptians. And I'm going to take you to the land flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's a new place I want to bring you. And I'm going to lead you there. Okay? God's word. Okay. Moses goes. There's a whole bunch of events take place. But just for time's sake, he ends up leading the Israelites through the Red Sea. Right? And uh, they get on the other side of the Red Sea, and now Moses is leading these Israelites. And Moses, Moses acts as a mediator um, between God and the, and the people of Israel. So God will speak to Moses. Moses will speak to the people of Israel. The people of Israel will speak to Moses. Moses will approach God on behalf of the people. Moses is, is the mediator. So when God gives Moses a message, he relays that message to the Israelites. So the Israelites were aware God said, I am pr I'm, I'm, pr I'm providing you a place of rest. This is what he says. I'm providing you a place of rest and I'll give you the land. Now, if you're familiar with the story, Moses um, ordains, you know, selects 12 spies to go check out the land and bring back a, bring, bring back a uh, report. So these 12 spies entered the promised land. Have you ever thought about this, that the, the 12 spies actually got, got into the land to scope it out? Yet it takes them 40 years to get there. <laughs> so 12 spies go into the land, check it out, scope it out, look around. And they come back and they come back to the people of Israel with a report. And this is the report. It's in Numbers 13. It says this, this, this was their report to Moses. Guys, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, yeah, look at these grapes. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. Can you believe it? These things are huge. <laughs> but the, the people living there are powerful, and, and their towns are large and fortified, we even saw giants there. 
We saw giants. And, and after this report, there's this unsettledness that begins rippling through the Israelite camp, right? I imagine upon receiving this noon, people are murmuring. They're like, there's giants, there's giants. Did you hear that? Yeah, I can't, I can't. Are you serious? Are you serious? Some, some people are voicing their concern. They're like, hey, I don't think we should go anymore. You know, there's giants. What do you mean there's giants? Are you serious? There's probably one dude in the back weeping like, I left everything. There's giants. I want to go back to Egypt and eat the oatmeal. Right? Everybody's like, what did we do? We left everything. This is, this is new. And there's one spy at first who goes, no, no, no. Let, let's go take the land. Let's go take the land. So Numbers 13, 30 through 33, the story continues. So Caleb, there were two spies who had faith to move into the land. And it was Caleb and Joshua. But in this moment, Caleb speaks up. It says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses, right? Caleb's like, be quiet. And the old man wasn't even that good anyway. So listen to me. <laughs> Let's go at once and take the land. God said he was going to give it to us. We're going. I know there's giants, but we're going. We, we can certainly conquer it. He says that. But the other men who explored the land disagreed. We, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So, so they spread this bad report uh, about the land among the Israelites and, and the land. The, the, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak next to them. We were like grasshoppers and they thought that too. We can't go in there. We, we can't go to that land. And it's so easy for us as the readers, as, as we go through this story, to judge these Israelites, right? Like, are y'all kidding me? You've literally been read, led by a cloud by day, fire by night. You got Moses sending direct emails with God communicating, and y'all are worried. Don't you know that God's at work on your behalf? What more do you need? But church, we'll have God deliver us from addiction. We'll have God renew our mind. We'll have God provide for us day after day. We'll experience the faithfulness of God sustaining us mentally, physically, and emotionally day after day. And we will still doubt. Jesus promised and commanded us in Matthew 6, hey, God cares for you. He'll give you everything you need. Seek Jesus. When God tells the Israelites, I'll give you this land, they go, but God, there's giants in the land. God's like, don't worry, I'll give it to you. Seek me, God, God, we're, we're pregnant again. How are we gonna afford this? Don't worry, seek me, I'll give you everything you need. God, I don't know how I'm gonna make rent this month. Don't worry, seek me, I'll give you everything you need. God, God, my wife says she's gonna leave me. Don't worry, seek me, I'll give you everything you need. God, what am I gonna do? Don't worry. Seek me. I'll give you everything you need. Jesus saying, listen, son, listen, daughter, where's your faith? Don't you see the birds? Don't you see the flowers? Don't you see me sustaining earth day after day? Don't you know how much I care for you? Trust me. Seek me. I care for you. If we're not careful, our unbelief that God isn't going to do what he said will lead us to a place of disobedience. I, I, don't know where the, I don't know where the money's going to come from, so I got, I got a scheme to get it. 
uh, I don't know when I'm going to get my joy back, so I got to grab the bottle, right? I, I don't want to be alone, so I'm going to compromise. I'll just stay in this relationship because when God told you, don't worry, I care about you. Seek me. Follow me. No, no, no. You're not, you're not going to stay with this guy. No, 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 no. You, you come with me. No, no, no. You're not, you're not going to turn the, to the bottle. No, no, no. You seek me. You come with me. I'll give you everything you need. Come on. I'll give you everything you need. I care about you. Yet the reality is that our worries and unbelief manifested in like we said, unbelief will take lead us places God unintended us to be. What should have taken the Israelites 11 days, something like that, took them 40 years because of fear and anxiety and unbelief. There were two spies who said, no, we're going to enter the land. God cares for us. He's going to give it to us, right? Caleb and Joshua, there were only two, but the rest of the spies and the rest of the Israelites were too worried to inhabit the place of rest. The place of peace God had prepared. So guess what? A whole generation of Israelites dies in the wilderness because you end up where you give up. You end up where you give up. Moses never got into the place of rest because they were worried, anxious, fearful, because they didn't believe. This is really simple and profound, yet I feel like it's revelatory in a lot of ways. Worry will keep you from rest. Worry will steal your peace. You got to choose. You got to choose, church. What is it? Worry is, is unbelief in the provision of God, and unbelief will lead you to disobedience, and disobedience will lead you to destruction. This week in my, in my private time, I don't know if you guys ever have weeks like this, but I read my Bible every day really, really disciplined in that. And sometimes it's like, man, I'm just going through like, all right, I did it. Check it off the list. Other times it's like, you know, Hebrew says the, the word is alive and active. And what that tells me is this, this thing's breathing and the Bible breathes, right? It's, it's alive and active. And, and I wonder if sometimes we approach this word complacently. We approach this word out of routine and we forget this thing's breathing. This thing's talking back to me. This is the breath of God right here, right? And I feel like one of these weeks is I've just grabbed hold of the fact that this is the breath of God and this is con conversing with me and this is changing my mind and this is, uh, this is changing my heart and this is helping me get to know the character of God. I feel like I've got to know Jesus better this week through his word. So why do I tell you all that? I was in Hebrews this week and, and I came across this verse and reflecting on what we were talking about this weekend and man, I, man, I had to share it with you. Talk, talking about worry and you know uh, us not living in the peace that's available to us right now and for eternity. Turn with me to Hebrews 3 if you would. I'm gonna pick up in verse 13. It says this, the writer wrote this, you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Come on, everyone say, keep going. Come on, look at somebody, say, keep going. Warn each other, encourage each other every day, stay faithful. Verse 14, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That's good news. 
Remember what he says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, when you hear, don't worry, God cares, don't harden your hearts. Today, when you hear, seek Jesus, seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, don't harden your hearts, right? When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? Verse 19, so we see that because of their what? Come on, church. So we see that because of their what? They were not able to enter his rest. Continuing to Hebrews 4. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Glory, hallelujah, praise God. The promise still remains. Come on, do you want to be in God's rest? So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was announced to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith. They were stuck in their worry. They were stuck in their fear. They were stuck in their unbelief, right? They didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For we, for only we who believe can enter his rest. My question for you this morning is, do you believe in the promises of God? Do you trust in the finished work of the cross? Do you trust in the person of Jesus, that he's the doorway to peace for your temporary and for your eternity, that we can really not worry because he's at work on my behalf, providing every need on my behalf. He, that, 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 come on, that, that spirit of God is at work within us so I can, I can have peace for eternity with him, but I can also live in peace right now. I know that because in sixth grade, I found myself surrounded by an angry mob of middle schoolers. Y'all almost forgot, didn't you? So this kid's got his shirt wrapped around his hand. I'm trying not to tinkle. You ever been in a moment in life where it's like you literally, you don't even know what to do and you just say, God help me. I remember one time, this is a totally different story, but I, I'm, I'm in my Buick, 2000. If you ever look at my Buick, <laughs> if you ever look at my Buick, the front of it is all smashed up uh, underneath. So there was one morning, lo- long story short, this is in my notes and I, I get, y'all want to go to lunch and stuff, but I'm, I'm coming around this turn on a snowy day. I literally launch off the side of the road down this huge hill and come like clunking down. But right before I, I could feel my car slipping, I just literally go, Lord. <laughs> I didn't even know, there's, I got two tons just moving through the snow. There's nothing I could do. I was just, Lord. I drove through the field, drove to work. It was fine. And here, and this is another one of those moments where it's like, God, God help me. And I, I don't even know what happens. I don't know why, but it was like, they just started going away and they left me alone. Yeah. Yeah, I took, took my bike home and uh, they, they left me there. Church, this, this morning you have the opportunity to leave your unbelief and worry behind and, and step into a life full of faith with a God who will provide your every need. 
you have that opportunity to step into that this morning. So with with eyes closed and, and heads bowed in this place, if you're ready to declare you accept the good news that God has prepared a place of rest for you through a relationship with his son, Jesus, and you're ready to step into that relationship with Jesus, if that's you and you're in here, would you put your hand up in the air right now and say, man, Pastor Mark, I'm ready for that. And I'm ready for that. I want to be with Jesus. I want a relationship with him right now. All right, I want to do something else here. You know, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.